Hi, I'm Cheryl Chickie. I'm Executive Director of In Our Backyard. Welcome to Define Destiny. We have episodes featuring survivor voices and the journey of healing from sex trafficking and sexual exploitation. Today, I'm honored to sit with Jocelyn. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. Now you, my friend, have overcome. You're an overcomer, you're a thriver. Uh, you have such a message of hope and faith that I see every single day in everything that you do. Uh, tell us a little bit just about your background growing up and, and who is Jocelyn? I'm happy to. Um, who is Jocelyn? Jocelyn is a survivor, a child of God, a mother, a sister, a friend, and someone who has um, defied my destiny that I was given. Um, I was sexually exploited as a kid, um, molested multiple times, and it just kind of continued from there. So I'm a survivor of childhood sexual exploitation, um, community violence, domestic violence, sexual assault, um, and systemic racism as well. What does surviving look like when you're a younger child? Ooh. Surviving for me as a younger child was completely ignoring what was going on within myself and who I was and putting everyone around me first. So um, I don't think intentionally, but I think through the culture, I was taught that everybody else's opinion came first. Mm. And uh, to kind of lead off from that, it was school. That was my safe place, going to school. So. It was looking forward to the next day that I could go and learn something because that was, that was what gave me pride and that was what gave me purpose and that was something that I felt no one could take from me. And you didn't just go to school. <laughs> You've been learning to, the di to this day that I, that I know you. What's your experience been with, with school as an adult? As an adult? Um, well, I I'll say that I do want to go back to as a child because I did go to about 10 different elementary schools. Oh my gosh. So it was very hard to like find friends or fit in or like establish anything. But I just, you know, kept going. Um, as an adult, I got my MSW and I'm licensed to provide social work to kids K through 12. Which is such a connection to your story as a child, going back every day to help kids, you know, not be maybe in the unfortunate circumstances that you did face of harm. What's that, what's that like for you now going, you know, you're always living kind of with your past, but mm -hmm. yet somehow able to do something different with it. Well, it was actually through walking alongside um, youth that I was able to actually really start my healing journey. Um, I knew I had, you know, witnessed a lot of things um, around me growing up, but you kind of learn to, I won't say learn, but you push it in, right? And so as I was walking alongside a, a young person who had similar uh, circumstances that I had, I was like, 
that's me. Um, and I need to face some of the things that I've been through and no longer press them down. It's funny how kids do that. Right? <laughs> Out of the mouths of babies. Whether you're a parent, right? <laughs> right, right. I've, I've, I've learned my biggest lessons from young people. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so in your story, I know you had moments where, um, you know, having to survive other harms or circumstances, what were some of the roadblocks in your journey? I would say, I mean, as a child and as an adult, housing. Um, housing, access to um, adequate health care, access to um, therapy, and not just any therapy, but therapy that from someone that looks like me, um, that has maybe had a similar journey or has the experience or expertise of them working with someone um, like myself. And like not having that kind of discourages you. Trying to find the right therapist was a barrier for me. Um, and was that taboo, would you say, like for your family to even say the word therapy or discuss things like that? Um, I won't say it was taboo because I definitely had support when I did. It was just something they didn't do. Um, so it wasn't like, they were like, don't go get help. It was like, okay. You can go do that. <laughs> you can go do that. And I actually had a situation. But we're okay. But we're okay. <laughs> yeah. And I found it. It was like, I did have a therapist and, and she didn't look like me, but I, I developed a relationship with her and she was the one who told me, you know, Jocelyn, you're going to have to heal on your own. Which yeah. was really hard for me because I always want to bring everybody with me. <laughs> like, if I'm healing, I want you to heal. If I'm happy, I want you to be happy. So. So what's that like serving you, yourself now? I'm still not the best at it, to be honest, to be transparent. Um, because, as you know, life keeps showing up, right? So even though we have intentions and we set goals to, like, continuously like oh I'm gonna it's a process I'm gonna just say that like you don't ever just like get to the top of the mountain and that's it it's like you'll have peaks and you'll have valleys and it's it looks different um, during those times so finding self-care finding um, your tools right and keeping them in a toolbox and then also um, speaking to your therapist when you may need medicine because some people do yeah I remember being in a meeting with you and you set us up with some breathing and just grounding ourselves. And it was just amazing to have you lead us uh, in that way. You have um, a way with serving people, even when you're practicing self-care with us. So it's been amazing to just have a survivor sibling, uh, to know that you're not alone and, and we can you know, just be together and heal together in a way. So you're always inspired me with how you find ways to find hope. Where does your hope come from? Um, it comes from a lot of different places, but I see hope when I see young people, when I see that they actually have a chance to live a different life and to hopefully make different choices. 
And so hopefully we have a society that gives them different choices. Um, I see hope in my family. I see hope in the support system. And actually my hope started when I was a little girl. Um, I remember my mom always like had there was like one church channel on and I remember the lady she had like pink hair I don't know but I will always watch that um and one of the places that um I stayed at she was a um uh I don't know exactly but the denomination but she went to church and she had her own band and I couldn't sing a lick and she actually let me have a solo part in the band and everybody was looking like why are you giving this girl a solo part and she can't sing but like just her showing me love like god's love and that like it just it just gave me moments that it would be okay um there were other times that <clears throat> i would go to church and like the pastor would call me out and say like, pray for her. And it would scare me so bad I wouldn't go back, right? But I, I know now like that was, that was God reaching out to me. Um, I just wasn't ready at that point in time. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of other ways of hope, but I just feel like any time that like you're down, you can always list positive things to look forward to, even if you don't believe them just writing them down or speaking them into existence, it has been known, research has been done, it does make things better for you mentally, so. Yeah, it's almost like self-talk at the same time as declaring. Exactly, <laughs> decree and declaring that everything's gonna be okay, um, even in the midst of times where it's uncertain or it may not be. Having that faith, having that hope, having my faith, right, because I don't, I have friends that, you know, don't necessarily believe um, in my religion, and that's okay. Um, as long as what you're doing is not hurting anyone, I don't have a problem with it. But it's my faith. That's the reason why I'm alive. That's the reason why I'm here today talking with you, and I believe that's why I met you. Yeah, and we've prayed together. <laughs> we have. We, we, we have. We don't just talk. <laughs> we don't just talk. We, we walk that walk, and we pray. Um, we're not perfect, but, you know no one is yeah so are you able to be that good voice to yourself and be kind to yourself is it ever a struggle do you ever have moments where you want to give up how how do you persevere so to answer your first question yes i do have moments it's actually normal for people to have moments where they feel like it's too much or it's overwhelming um but i think about all the times that god has saved me um, that has spared me, um, the lessons he taught me, the gentle, sometimes not so gentle correction. <laughs> um, I think about those times and I feel like if the experience or the things that I went through um, can be shared and can help support a young person, that gives me hope, that gives me meaning, that gives me a chance to give back. Um, even if it wasn't given to me. I'm curious, at what, what's one moment you might actually share with a youth that like you're mentoring from your childhood past? 
So when you share stuff with youth, you have to be careful. Um, you have to make sure it's not going to be something that triggers them. And it's totally situational. So, for example, if a youth had experienced sexual exploitation or maybe had been raised um, within a culture where it's normalized, um, I might choose to share um, something that I've thought out and kind of weighed, like, is this going to impact them negatively? Is it going to inspire them? So it's hard for me to answer that question. Like, you would have to be the youth here and you would have to, like, have this whole scenario. So you just can't share everything. You speak about the culture. T say more, more words. What, what are you speaking on? So I, my, my journey, I grew up, um, you know, around prostitution. Um, it was ingrained in everything, in the music, um, and around the people I was left. So it was so normalized. And that's why I really didn't pay attention to it. Um, because I thought that's just the way things were supposed to be. But that's not how things are supposed to be. And I recognize that, like, sometimes society may create a situation. And then we're taught that everything's so individual when it's not. Like, we're, we're a collective, we're a village. And so what one person experiences, we all experience on some level. Um, no one is exempt. It's just some people have to experience it more than others. And then some people are blamed for their experiences. How are you working to like change that culture? Well, I can't do it by myself. <laughs> That's the thing. I can't do it by myself. I need people that believe that there can be change and that there is hope and that you can change your trajectory. So I try to align myself with like-minded people. And when I find out there's no longer love served at the table, I now know when to leave. Um, I had a problem with leaving or letting people go, um, even to my own detriment, because the way I was raised is you don't leave, you stay mm -hmm. loyal. But that loyalty needs to be reciprocated and it needs to be um, from love and it needs to be from a place of hope and a place of wanting you to prosper and succeed even if it's not with you right so um, I didn't always get that and so it was like hard uh, and a struggle and it, it's, it also makes it hard for you to heal if you are still in the same environment. Um, a lot of times people say, okay, you can go away or you can get support or, you know, there's some place for you. But I found in my journey that there's not many places that are designed for me, for someone who looks like me, who's survived all the things that I've survived. And that's what I want for others they should have that holistic wraparound support that not only supports the survivor, but supports their family. It supports the community. And then in turn, it will support our society.
And the more we create services and support like that, the better off we'll all be, the better off our children will be. And that's something we often miss is families surrounding maybe a survivor or a survivor who has children and seeing how far those effects go down the line and, you know, really infiltrates the whole community around you. And it sounds like you were almost part, you know, you had a community around you where it was normalized to see prostitution and understanding the change that needs to take place. Mm -hmm. um, because it is glorified, prostitution is glorified, um, sex trafficking is glorified through prostitution right. and the sex industry. And you are such a, a culture change agent saying it's, you know, the love is not reciprocated. Respect is not reciprocated when we're in those areas of an industry right. that just really takes from you. Right. So um, I'm just amazed at how you're able to articulate that somehow you've seen it, it, there is no payoff, it costs you. It does, it does. And you know, not only seeing other like female identified people going through, but also seeing male identified um, people getting groomed um, for that and being exposed to that. So, you know, growing up alongside people that like you, you seen at once they were pure like you, like they didn't have ill intentions. And then you see how the world and how their culture changed them as well. And it, it just, it makes it really hard because I've always been taught, like, you give people first, one, two, three, four chances, like as many chances as God gives you, you give yeah. to other people. And, and that's what I did, right? But some people, you can love them from a distance. Yeah. And I didn't know that. I know that now, the hard way. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. Period. Period. <laughs> doesn't have to be you. Right. It can be someone exactly. else on that path. Right, right. <laughs> and I could still love you from a distance and I could, you know, pray for you. Right. And life after exploitation, life after trafficking, is it easy? You already know I'm smiling because <laughs> I'm being so sarcastic, but. No. It is something that stays with you forever and you have to look at the intersection of it, right? So sexual exploitation is, doesn't just stand alone. It is labor trafficking. It is indentured servitude. It is debt bondage. It is all those things. And you can't have one. Um, you can't be in support of one and not, how do I want to say that? You can't be in support of one and against another. Mm. Right. Um, You're talking about the culture. Right. Right. So it, it is very much connected. Most people who are sexually exploited or go into prostitution also experience um, situations where they um, have debt bondage or they're, they're trafficked for labor or they have side effects from the life um, that prevents them from having the quality of life that they deserve. And because society looks on people um, like myself, who have had a history of drug use, who is not an angel, you know what I'm saying? They look at you like you're the worst of the worst. And they look at the aftermath of the person as the worst of the worst, and right. then sometimes glorify the before right. story, right. where it looks shiny and pretty, and like 
a good idea that it's fast money or a temporary situation. Exactly. And it's almost like a contradiction. I'm glad you said that because like, I think with our younger generation, they look at it like it's hopscotch, right? Like I can hop in and I can hop out and it's not like that. Um, you know, when I say culture, you know, it makes me think of music too. And a lot of the music that I listened to or that I listened to when I was younger, it did glorify that. But I, I now can look at it from a different perspective. The fact that the music that I listen to, they're just speaking about the things that they've seen and they experienced, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. But when you bring a little kid into it who's learning, if you're not there to help provide feedback and, and, and give them a different perspective, like, hey, you're hearing all this, but this is how that ends up, right? It's not just a rap song. It's not just this gangster movie. Like, it doesn't end well for anybody that looks like me that goes through the things that I went through. Um, it's a lot of pain. It's a lot of suffering. It's a lot of nights where you don't know if things will be okay. Yeah, and validating experience is something that should never be forgotten right there right. should be ways to understand where things came from you right. know what stories we really do live and endure but not let it identify our future absolutely absolutely i know for me when i was in the life um there were a lot of pivotal points and one of the i want to go back to your question about hope so i i was incarcerated um as a juvenile and when i was in juvenile, there were some people that came and spoke to us. And um, it was a guy and a lady. And they just shared their message. I don't remember exactly, but it was like they were experiencing a lot. Um, There's a lot going on with them, and they shared that with us in confidence. And it was like when I got to certain points in my life, I would think back to that. And I'd be like, man, that's what I want to do. You know, that, that's make me, that gives me joy, you know, is, is, if, is sharing and giving somebody else hope. But I had to learn to share and give myself hope and love, too. And it's, it's a constant battle. It's kind of like the airplane mask. Right. You got to put it on yourself. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> then the person exactly. next to you. Exactly, exactly. Uh -huh. and, and just keeping people around you that um, lift up your experiences, lift up you, and pour into you and allow you to pour back into them um, is super important because, I mean, I'm the type of person like I feed off of energy. And so if your energy's off or if it's very negative, I find that it, it impacts me, like I feel it. And so um, I try to be around people that are similar to me, that I trust with my feelings and know when I'm around people that I have to keep a guard up with. Yeah. Understanding what's safe for you. Right. I went through like a 30-day music cleanse, I think, one time to help me uh, find a better, uh, I guess, street or path for me to get on because things affect us, whether it's energy, music. Um, you have to know yourself enough to know what's distracting you. Right. Well, don't go to my Twitter because I put all kind of my music <laughs> no. in there. But I, no I, I'm working through that, right? <laughs> so I, I think you've overcome something that I need to do. I need to do that 30-day music fast because I still listen to a lot of 
music that sometimes it energizes you, but it also can take you back to certain right. times and a certain mind frame that is out of your character in the present. Yeah. Well, your story defies destiny. It really does. I'm thankful you're here. I'm thankful I get to walk along the road with you of healing as we take on these hard conversations and share them so others can know they're not alone, right? Um, there is hope and to never be silenced. Absolutely. And I, the last thing I would say to that is that, like, there are people that care. There are people that want to hear your story and not just to commodify you, but in order to create services for you. If enough people share their story and the things that they're going through in a safe place, that will help us change the culture and create the services that are needed for all of us. We'll all benefit and we'll all defy the destiny um, that may not been intended for us, but it was the one that we were handed. So good. Good stuff. Bueno. <laughs> no, bueno. There, there goes my go. Spanish. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us today. Um, I know I will see you very soon, um, but thank you for sharing your story. And thank you for having me a part, and thank you for believing in me to defy my destiny. Thank you. Thank you.